staying in contact. I'm London Mitchell. Eleven individuals have been freed from Ohio's death row based on evidence of their innocence. They are among 190 formerly exonerated nationwide. This morning, I'll be talking with two of them and a representative from Ohioans to Stop Executions, the Director of Community Outreach, Jennifer Pryor. She tells us Ohioans to Stop Executions is an organization that has been around for 35 years. Governor DeWine cooperatively put in an unofficial moratorium on executions in our state, and we are very, very grateful for that because it's given us the, the amount of time and the amount of really grace that we needed to be able to have engaging conversations and, and meaningful conversations with our lawmakers here. Um, and so we are having great success with two pieces of legislation, HB 183 and SB 103. Many who consider themselves supporters of law and order might say that we need the death penalty to deter the most violent of crimes. First of all, it's not a deterrent. It's never been a deterrent. Um, 100% of the time when someone's committing a heinous act of violence, they're not thinking about their consequences. They're not thinking about the death penalty. Um, the death penalty just does not deter crime. Um, and to be completely frank, as we said uh, many times in this campaign, life without parole is a severe punishment. It's severe enough, and it can at least be, can be corrected in full if we get it wrong, but at least you don't have to. Um, you can let someone out of their, their jail cell instead of trying to resuscitate them from the grave. So, uh, the death penalty, just we, we make so many mistakes in our justice system, so the death penalty is not effective for a civil and evolved society. And we, we Ohioans deserve better. Is the common denominator just a lack of effort to show mercy? Absolutely. And we have two examples here. Ray Crone and uh, Derek Jameson can both tell you about the, the lack of representation. In fact, you'll hear this said in the movement a lot that innocence is the greatest, uh, is the greatest opponent to our exonerees from death row. They had trust in the system. They believed the system would work. They knew they didn't commit these crimes. Um, so they went along with the, the public defender or they, you know, they trusted the judge and the jury in the process. They trusted the prosecutor wanted to, to get the right person. And so absolutely there is a under or under or a lack of representation on their on their behalf, especially for those who are innocent because they had no idea they needed to defend themselves in such a in such a system. Derek Jameson was sentenced to die in Cincinnati back in nineteen eighty five. Well, in 1984, uh, a nightclub in Cincinnati called a Central Cafe. Uh, a young man, uh, his his family owned the nightclub. He was attacked by two individuals. And eight days later, his name was uh, Gary Mitchell. He passed away. And I, they charged me with this crime, and I didn't have nothing to do with it. And I, you know, all the witnesses told the police officers, homicide detectives, y'all got the wrong guy. But they didn't let my lawyers, and they didn't let me know that. But right off the top, because uh, first of all, the two individuals that committed this crime, one of them was 5'1", and one of them was 5'3". I ain't never been five foot nothing. I'm six five. I could have been in the NBA. I was one of the best athletes in the country when I went to death row. You know what I'm saying? And I was wrongfully convicted and sent to die for something I had nothing to do with.
that's why uh, we do this work, the demolition work, because we got one of the best systems in the world, but it's broken, and we're making a lot of mistakes because we're killing a lot of innocent people. I was, me and a lot of my friends, we got sent to die because we were poor, not because we was guilty, you know, but uh, that's what happened in America. You know, we we got a we got a broken system, but we got one of the best systems in the world, but it's broken, and we're making a lot of mistakes. And should nobody in America be allowed to say who should live and who should die? How did uh, how did the truth finally come out for you? Well. My my case is one of the I got one of the worst cases in American history. Uh, in my case, the homicide detectives and the prosecutors they withheld thirty five pieces of evidence. You only need one piece of new evidence to get a new trial. They withheld thirty five pieces of evidence, and in federal court, the prosecutor and the homicide detectives they point their finger at one another while I'm sitting here with a death sentence, innocent, you know, but. You know, that's why we do this abolition where we try to end the death penalty in the United States because, you know, the death penalty is not a deterrent. The death penalty make, your, make the country a lot more unsafer because we're killing people. The government, the United States government are killing people, you know. Over 1,500 men, women, and children have been executed since 1977, and that's just wrong, you know. So nobody had a right to say who should live or die in America. To those who are listening to us, what would you like them to do? Try to help us with this abolition work to do the end of death penalty. Because, you know, in America, we need a lot more love and compassion. We don't need no more killing. We didn't kill too many. And it's, we didn't kill too many people already. Over 1,500 people have been executed. You know, since uh, Gary Gilmore volunteered to be executed in Utah by the fire squad, it's like a dark cloud came across America because we got the death penalty and a lot of innocent people are dying, you know. Because, you know, uh, with the death penalty, you could, uh, you know, if you get, we got a thing called life without parole. We need to start using that our life, you know. Because if you make a mistake with life without parole or life, you could go get the band out the cell. But with the death penalty, you can't go get these people out the graveyard. There's over 1,500 people been executed in the United States. You can't go get all them innocent people out the graveyard and say, oops, my bad. So we need to stop this madness, you know? That's just like when you got a death penalty in the state you live in, you're giving up too much power. How active is Ohioans to stop executions in the effort to review death penalty cases? We are fighting to abolish the death penalty in Ohio legislatively, and so we build campaigns to that effort. Um, but we do partner with organizations that do actively review cases, death row cases and wrongful conviction cases. Um, for example, Intercommunity Peace and Justice Center here in Cincinnati, Ohio, they are working on an Elwood Jones case, who they they believe is an innocent case on death row. Um, and there are several others in the state of Ohio that are being reviewed by other organizations as innocent innocence cases. Um, we can't we can't include them in the number of exonerees for Ohio until they have been verified. But we currently have a rate of one in five error in Ohio was 56 executions uh, since since this current statute was implemented and 11 exonerees. And so if any of these cases 
that are being reviewed. I believe there are four or five of them right now. Um, that would shrink our, our error rate. I mean, that would increase our error rate quite a bit. We would we would be probably as bad as Florida, which is a one in three, which has a one in three error rate. And I, I don't know about most Ohioans. I don't want to, <laughs> I do not want to be on the same <laughs> level as Florida when it comes to making mistakes like that. Um, but no, our, our job at Ohioans to stop executions is simply to pass legislation to end the death penalty. We are fighting to abolish the death penalty in Ohio legislatively. And so we build campaigns to that effort. Um, but we do partner with organizations that do actively review cases, death row cases and wrongful conviction cases. Um, for example, Intercommunity Peace and Justice Center here in Cincinnati, Ohio, they are working on an Elwood Jones case, who they they believe is an innocent case on death row. Um, and there are several others in the state of Ohio that are being reviewed by other organizations as innocent innocence cases. Um, we can't we can't include them in the number of exonerees for Ohio until they have been verified. But we currently have a rate of one in five error in Ohio was 56 executions uh, since since this current statute was implemented and 11 exonerees. And so if any of these cases that are being reviewed, I believe there are four or five of them right now, uh, that would shrink our, our error rate. I mean, that would increase our error rate quite a bit. We would, we would be probably as bad as Florida, which is a one in three, which has a one in three error rate. And I, I don't know about most Ohioans. I don't want to, <laughs> I do not want to be on the same <laughs> level as Florida when it comes to making mistakes like that. Um, but no, our, our job at Ohioans to stop executions is simply to pass legislation to end the death penalty. Ray Crone is a military veteran sentenced to die in Arizona in 1992. So what were your thoughts when they locked you up on death row and you knowing you were innocent. Well, it's hard to believe. I, I, just a little background quick. I'm from a small town in southern Pennsylvania. I went into service, was stationed in different places around the country, ended up in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, six years active duty, honorable discharge, got a job at the U.S. Postal Service. I did not have a criminal record. I don't have that kind of background. And one day I was questioned about a murder of a local bar that I attended, and two days later I was arrested based on a bite mark. Um, again, being innocent, I don't have nothing to worry about. Our system works, I thought. Uh, just seven months later, I'm convicted. I had a court-appointed attorney. I'm in death row in less than 11 months after my arrest. And that's when you start thinking, why, how, what could this happen? I got to, had to get real close to my God and read the Bible and find the strength to survive. I'm lucky and fortunate that being 35 years old when this happened, that my family and friends knew me, believed in me, knew who I was and what I stood for and what I was about and supported me. And that got me through those years on death row. Thankfully, my conviction was overturned, and eventually, after 10 years, 3 months, and 8 days, DNA not only excluded me, but got the person that did it. But the heartbreak, the hardships, the things that go in in isolation, wondering again, why you? What, what, what did I do to deserve this? How do I help myself? I'm against the big old state of Arizona, just me. My family has no background, no money, not that kind of money that it takes. You feel helpless. But I'll tell you one thing that actually did help me get through it besides the support of my family was also knowing why I was on death row and speaking with some of the other inmates. I felt that I wasn't the only innocent person there. It wasn't just me that was innocent. There's other innocent people out there, and we need to stand up and, and, and against this system and say we need to get this right. If you're going to call, if you want to try to kill somebody, get it right. And since they can't, we've got to abolish the death penalty. 
So I had a lot of time to think of that, that isolation. But I'm thankful, again, that my family and friends and support of, of even strangers that came out there and said, this is wrong and we're going to change this. And that gave me the courage and the strength to continue those many years until I finally found my freedom. How did that come about? Who, who stood up for you? I was fortunate. Remember, my family, my mom's cousin, who had never I'd never met before. We lived in there in Nevada, which was near Arizona. The rest of my family back in Pennsylvania. He was concerned when he heard that some member of the family was on death row. Was like, my God, what what kind of a person do we have in our family history? And uh, he came to meet me, and and after a talk on death row, uh, he started working heavily on my case, being closer to Arizona. Uh, eventually, got an attorney for me. Got some bite mark experts. And, and thankfully, again, when we went before a judge with new DNA testing evidence that uh, not only, again, excluded me, but actually identified DNA on the body of, a, of an already convicted uh, sexual assault uh, person, uh, that through through his diligence and uh, uh, just continued efforts on my part, I finally was released. That DNA, as I said, identified another person. That person subsequently confessed, and I was released. And what was running through your mind when you heard the news you were being released? Uh, well, I could tell you just a short replay of what happened because it's like yesterday. I was called over to the counselor's office on the yard in Yuma, Arizona, and he said my my attorney was on the phone, and I answered the phone, and, and my attorney said, uh, Ray, how you doing today? I said, just fine, another day in paradise. And he laughed. He said, well, what are you hungry for? I said, what are you talking about? I'll eat whatever's in the chow. He said, no, Ray, really, what do you want? You want steak, seafood, Mexican food, a beer? What would you like? I said, Alan, what the devil are you talking about? He said, I just got off the phone with the prosecutor's office. They just got back from the judge's chambers. They're cutting the paperwork, Ray. You're coming home today. And I, I, I just started, what did you just say? He said, roll up, Ray. It's all over. You're coming home. Three hours later, I walked out of that prison with people screaming, go home, Ray. And men were clapping for me. And I walked out of that prison that day to start my life all over again at the age of 45. And what would you tell individuals who today are on death row and know? They are innocent. Uh, well, I, I tell you, I found strength in the Bible, the stories of Job and Jonah, for one thing. Uh, and not everybody has the same religious beliefs and backgrounds. But I know this, too. We also need support from the outside. But there is strength. There are people looking into these cases. There are people that can ser seriously care and have the expertise to find the truth in cases even as old as they are, maybe 10, 15, 20, 30 years old. It's not easy to have that faith and that strength, especially if you feel alone. But I want them to know that there are other people in other, uh, other instances that are innocent just like them. And that day has come for us, a number of us, and we're out here sharing our stories in hopes that that light will, will enlighten other people in, in the justice system to say, hey, this is wrong. And one day, nobody will have to worry about their life being on the line. They'll just be a, 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 a sentence to prison. But there could be the one day when those bars will open up and they can walk free again and the truth will be told. For more information on Ohioans to stop executions, go online to NoDeathPenaltyOH.com. That's our program for this week. Please join us again next week. Staying in contact, I'm London Mitchell.